Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. On Yahoo Sports Radio. Well, the Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that will clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC. And speaking of great people, we have the professor with us today, Ron. I'm talking about ESPN's John Clayton. That's right, a Hall of Fame selector who is joining us from, John, where are you today? Seattle, where are you? I'm in Seattle, yeah. And by the okay. way, we both go back, the, the three of us go back so far, I didn't even have my professor title. We go back that far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We, well, anyway, we go back to the days when you were in Pittsburgh, not in Seattle, but uh, I've back seldom... Back we barely had jobs, which two of us are still in that position, but thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> I've seldom seen John without a phone attached to his ear, so it's appropriate we're doing a phoner with him. And John Clayton, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, Clady, there's so many stories out there this summer, so I'm going to start one in your backyard, and that's Seattle. When do we see Camp Chancellor in uniform, and who caves first here? You know, honestly, I think there's a small accommodation the team would be willing to do adjusting something because they need him. I mean, he's so important, particularly when you realize the team opens up the season on the road against St. Louis and on the road against Green Bay, and they don't want to get off to an 0-2 start. He's a team captain. He's a very important person in the locker room, and he's a big hitter, and so you want him out there, but the problem is, what adjustment can you make that's going to satisfy him? He's making $7 million a year, probably would like to make 10, and uh, they just can't do that because if they do that next year, instead of having one guy holding out, they'd have four or five guys holding out. Earl Thomas probably would hold out. You know, Michael Bennett would hold out. So it's a real tricky situation, but I do think something will happen that will get him into camp in the next week. And if he gets into the camp in the next week, then he'll be there for the start of the regular season. Well, speaking of the Seahawks, uh, Pete Carroll came out uh, yesterday uh, in defense of protecting running quarterbacks. I'm just wondering, uh, you know Pete very well. How come he didn't say any of that when he was a defensive coordinator? He wasn't trying to protect any quarterbacks uh, then. And do you think this is all starting to go too far, uh, John, this whole protection of the quarterback thing? Well, yeah, but you know that's going to continue, and it probably is going to go too far. Now, in this case, uh, you know, if you're going to be running the football, doing a read option, I mean, then you are going to be vulnerable, and that's just, I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are able to do that successfully. I mean, you know that's not going to see Tom Brady do too many read options. You're not going to see Jameis Winston do too many read options. But, you know, it's something that uh, you know, has to be tested, and I think Suggs did a good job of testing it. The weird part is seeing Chip Kelly come back and say, hey, that wasn't a read option play because it was a different type of call. I thought that was a little unusual. And really, Sam Bradford's not going to do too many read options. But no, it's like, hey, this is, you go back to Jack Lambert in the 70s. It's like, hey, you put the skirts on the guys because they want to try to protect the quarterbacks because they're the most important asset a team's going to have. Right. Well, we're an important asset here. That's ESPN's John Clayton, a Hall of Fame selector. And John, as we know now, Green Bay is going to be without Jordy Nelson for the year. So, A, how does that affect the NFC power structure in general? And B, Green Bay's chances in particular. Green Bay still has the best team, at least in the division, and probably now the second best team in the conference behind Seattle. But that's always going to be something that's going to be juggling back and forth because of injuries. Because if you watch for the last couple of years, it was usually between Seattle and San Francisco, and then an injury here or there would push one team above the other. You know, they're still talented at the receiver position. Devontae Adams has a chance to be a very good receiver. Ty Montgomery looks encouraging. So what it's going to affect is the ability to throw outside the numbers to the right. 
Aaron Rodgers was the best in football at that last year, and so much of it was because Jordy Nelson was out there at the right side of the numbers, making the catches, getting the eight touchdowns that he had from the outside the numbers. That's not going to be as prevalent. Now, Adams might be able to do some of that. He just isn't going to be able to do all of that because you're taking away, arguably, one of the top three receivers in football last year. I was wondering, John, in your opinion, what other team or teams do you feel have been significantly hurt by injury loss this summer, and, and, and what, if anything, needs to be done to reduce this, these chances of a season ending before it really even begins? I'd say Carolina and Arizona are two teams that are affected because you know, look what's happened over in Carolina. They lose Kelvin Benjamin, the wide receiver. Frank Alexander blows out an Achilles, and so now he's going to be, they waived him injured, so he's gone. Then you start to look at Bobby Massey's going to be out three games with a suspension at right tackle. They don't have Daryl Washington back, so I think you put Arizona in the front, followed closely by Carol. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, because there's just so many injuries that happen between those two teams, and so they're up front. I think the biggest thing that has to be looked at is the off-season program. I'm not talking about when they show up in April to start doing the OTAs and all the workouts. It's before that, because what happens when the players are on their own from January all the way through last part of April, they may not be training their tendons as much. Yeah, they can rest the joints. That's fine. But if you don't train the tendons, we have this upswing in ACL tears, and Achilles tears. So if you don't train those tendons, the first non-contact incident is going to be involving that. That's why at the moment there's 24 ACLs and about 9 to 11 Achilles injuries, a little bit above the pace from last year. Hey, John, we were talking about Arizona. You didn't even mention Mikey Yopati, too. They're going to miss him as well. Yeah, no question. Um, I mean, so offensive line, they're down two starters. Defense, they're down starters. And that's, that's, that's a big thing to try to overcome. Hey, Clady, what, what happens with RG3 in Washington? And, and do you see him with the Redskins next year? I don't see him with the Redskins next year. I know he has a $16.1 million option on him, but, I mean, I just don't think he's going to be able to survive this season. I mean, they've got issues still on the offensive line. He's taking a hit every third play, and I don't know if the body's going to be able to handle that over the long course of time. Plus, you still get the feeling that the coaching staff doesn't have the greatest confidence in him, and so I would imagine he'll get four, five, six weeks into the season, and then the body's going to start shutting down, or his performance starts to drop because of the body being so banged up that they'll have to end up going to a different quarterback. You know, Clark, this is what I love about whenever we have Clayton on. Who else would know there's been 24 ACLs and 11 Achilles? This <laughs> oh, is like talking like the, you know, Ben Casey, Dr. Ben oh, Casey. <laughs> only Dr. Data would know that. <laughs> yeah, he was. Exactly right. And he's not uh, here. Databases. Uh, John, you know, Buffalo sold over 60,000 season tickets for the first time, but they still don't have a quarterback. What are those fans thinking up there? What is leading them to, to buy these tickets? Well, because, I mean, when you look at the team, they've got the talent to be a 10 or 11-win team. They're that good. They've you know, got one of the top three defenses in football. They've added significantly to the skilled positions with Percy Harvin. You know, they have LaShawn McCoy. They've got three decent receivers. But the problem is, as it is, they're in quarterback purgatory. That's, those are the words that Doug Whaley uses, because if you're now at the stage where you have talent, you're going to be drafting in the middle of the draft, and it's very difficult to get that quarterback and that's where they are and so you know now they have to be among the four or five teams each year that reach out to the class of 205 whether it's Matt Castle Ryan Fitzpatrick or some of those quarterbacks from them that that they're the only ones that they can really come in and try to start so it's a very tough situation but the fans should be excited this is a very good football team with a coach who's very exciting and Rex Ryan it's just that you're right they just don't have the quarterback 
We should know that sound, John. It's a two-minute warning, and we're going to ask you to take Rick Goslin's place here. Now, Ron's going to ask the question. I can't take Goslin's place. It is impossible. You're on the it, clock, baby. Goose. No, 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 no. There's two of us in Goose, boy. You've already been Dr. Data for us with all those uh, okay. surgeries, so you're going to try, and you're going to succeed. Ron's going to ask the question. You're, you and I are going to answer. You can go first, Clady. And Derek Burns, our producer, he's going to run the clock. So how's that sound, John? Sounds good. Okay, Chris Carter says his heart was in the right place when he advised NFL rookies to have a fall guy in their crew to take the blame for any run-ins with the law. What would have he have told them if his heart was in the wrong place? Well, I think he was in the wrong place when he said that because that's one thing you don't want to do. Have anybody admit you have a fall guy. Take responsibility for yourself. What would he have said? Quick, get me Christian Barnard. <laughs> Robert Klemko, a reporter for SI's Monday Morning Quarterback, agreed not to use Carter's fall guy comments at the insistence of the NFL, even though he was the only reporter present. He said at the time that those things were immaterial. What subject would have been more material than that? It was immaterial, but of course, to get entry into something like that, you make sacrifices, unfortunately. More material? Linen. (laughs) (laughs) The Colts debugged the visiting locker room at Gillette Stadium in, in New England before every game. So why have they lost their last four playoff games there? Uh, mainly because their defense isn't as good. They need to take the bugs out of the defense. <laughs> Repeat after me, Ron. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Free Brady. Tom Brady. There you go. Man love. You. Randy Moss says he hasn't lost the itch to play football. Will someone scratch that itch this season? Uh, no. Nor will they scratch the itch of Terrell Owens. Not unless they want an outbreak of hives. Lions safety Glover Quinn said, quote, God meant for Jordy Nelson, unquote, to blow out his knee. What's God got against Jordy Nelson? Uh, I guess God must be a Lions fan, according to uh, Quinn. He didn't support the global tour, remember? That's right. Todd is God. (laughs) Can the Packers get to the Super Bowl with Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson's spot? I think so. The key is getting home field advantage of us, particularly playing Seattle. But if they have to play in Seattle, I don't think they can do it. Excuse me, who? Devontae Adams. <laughs> Come on, boy. <laughs> How many more NFL starters have to go down in meaningless exhibition games? Yes, I said it, exhibition games, before the league cuts them back to two. Probably about hundreds because they, they, you know, the owners like the millions they get from the preseason. I'm with you, Clay. It's not injuries that concerns this league. It's money. The Texans have named Brian Hoyer their starting quarterback over Ryan Mallett. Does it really matter? I think it does because I think he's efficient. He's just not great. Let's see, Ron. Hoyer was benched for Johnny Football, right? The answer is yes. no. John Clayton, can you rough a passer if he isn't passing, as Shep Kelly insists? Sure you can because they'll throw a flag if they just see a quarterback get hit. <laughs> I agree with John. The answer is yes because, Ron, you're Bobo. Roger Goodell told me so. Ooh, Bobo. That is the end of our first hour. John Clayton, thanks for joining us. When we return, we'll have Hall of Fame receiver Lance Allworth and another Hall of Fame selector, Jeff Legwald, from John Clayton's alma mater, ESPN. This is the Talk of Fame Network.